Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on yet another Wednesday, another hump day, Wednesday the 4th of August 2021. Trust wherever you are in the world, you've had a phenomenal start to the working week. You're taking advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you, but also planting seeds for opportunities that are going to pay dividends towards the back end of this month and into next month and beyond. And in the process, help you become a master influencer in your marketplace. And that's the topic for today, becoming an expert influencer. Just had the privilege of running a three-hour workshop masterclass for a group of people in New Zealand, actually, of, um, of all places, which was, which was fantastic. And the great thing about technology now, and I've got to say, after, uh, after COVID and locking down a lot of industries around the world and causing a lot of industries to pivot, and I guess you, you'd be no different in terms of some of the things you're doing right now compared to what you're doing in March 2020, but from my perspective, uh, I used to do probably 95%, if not long, more than that, of my workshops and facilitation would be face-to-face, which in many cases required travel. In many cases also required people to travel to come to the workshops from interstate and some overseas. But now jumping on a Zoom call or a, or a Teams call is quite effortless. So I just moved from the kitchen with, uh, with my water, with my coffee, and uh, jump on a Zoom, put the put the light on, press record or press uh, press go, and off we go. And uh, it's been awesome to deal with people from all around the world over the last eighteen months. And it's been something. You know what? I um I didn't realise I'd be doing this time last year. Even talking to people in France and Italy, Netherlands, US, Canada, and all over the world, just start uh, running workshops and having conversations with people, which um which is phenomenal. So if there's anything to come out of this whole thing, it's been that the use of technology, we can no longer take it for granted and uh, use it to its fullest advantage. So today was a great opportunity to talk to a group of people from New Zealand, and, and the conversation today was all about influence and persuasion in the workplace. Now, in the workplace, and it wasn't necessarily salespeople, just salespeople, but you had people who were non-sales as well. And it was such a great conversation we had because people have, irrespective of the country, irrespective of the industry, and irrespective of the background, we all tend to have very similar challenges when it comes to influencing. And so it was a phenomenal conversation today. And yes, I want to bring this back to sales and sales leadership because, hey, after all, this is a sales leadership podcast, so we've got to, got to be talking about sales, uh, and bring this to bear for us as sales leaders, but also for our sales teams. And how can we become an expert influencer? Now, it's not necessarily what you think in terms of this is not about convincing people to do things that you want them to do often against their own um, better judgment. It's about influencing them to make decisions and do things that ultimately you would like them to do, but have them do it in such a way that they feel comfortable doing that. But also it comes across as, you know, it's their idea as well. So they've got some skin in the game and they've actually got a win-win outcome as well. So that, that is the art of influence that we're, that we're talking to. And that's the, the key objective out of today's episode. Because one of the things I see a lot, and I still see this, and I've been in sales for 20 plus years, is too many sales leaders and their teams focus too much of their attention on their own product and their own service. They literally believe their own rhetoric. They drink their own Kool-Aid. Now, whether it's a pitch deck, whether it's a shiny pitch deck, 
whether it's a proposal, just have to look at most of the executive summaries that come across my desk. I reckon 90% of them would have the wording around the company proposing the solution or the service to a customer mentioned in the executive summary by a scale of probably five to one, if not more, in terms of how many times their own company's name is mentioned in the executive summary. And what they don't realize is it's actually not about them. It's not about the product, it's not about the solution. It is about the problem that the customer wants to solve or needs to solve, and in some cases, it's a problem that the customer doesn't even know they have, but through the interaction with the sales team and with the organization, they find out that there is a problem, and therefore, they wanna be able to solve the problem. And the thing is, how badly do they wanna solve it? And also, what is the cost of not solving that problem? What is the cost of not doing business with your organization? And that particular element is not something that a lot of organizations spend a huge amount of time on because they're always pricing their solution and thinking about what are the uh, objection crushes they can actually come up with or how do they overcome objections when somebody throws out an objection, which a lot of the time that objection is around price. And so what they do is they start to take the angle of, well, this is our value proposition. Let's throw in some extras. Let's see if we maybe provide a little bit of a discount. Can we extend the terms of the agreement so that we reduce the price on a monthly basis by a little bit? Very rarely do organizations take the complete opposite attack and say, you know what, what is the cost instead of not doing business? What is the cost of not solving this problem? And this is where the, the exceptional sales leaders and exceptional sales teams can really separate themselves from their competition in that the, these exceptional sales teams and leaders, there are, they are expert influencers and they make it an art form where they influence people and organizations to do what they want them to do, but have it be their idea. And the way they do that is by building a relationship where there's a level of trust that's established and everything they do is based on ethics and based on win-win. This is not about manipulation and it's certainly not about I win, you lose because there are many sales teams out there. There are many companies out there that are wanting to flog a product to you and it's all about how do they feather their own nest. How do they win at your expense? How do they sell the product to the marketplace at sometimes an overinflated price? And how can they sell as many of those so they can improve their own cash flow and their own profitability? It's not necessarily about what is the value that can be created in the marketplace or the ongoing value from the time you actually purchase that product. So it, as I've always said, and you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I've mentioned a number of times that the sale actually doesn't start until the sale is made. And so this is where we start to think about long-term life cycles of customers so that we're continuing to influence them to make the right decisions, but it's done ethically and it's done based on win-win scenarios. So the key message today and the key message out of the workshop around this morning was how do we do this ethically? How do we do this with, with the right mindset? How do we do this with the right approach? And what sort of information can we use and what sort of framework can we use in order to do this in the most appropriate way that not only enables us to get a win in the short term, but it also starts to plant seeds where we can have longer-term gains that are, that are both uh, beneficial for us, but also beneficial for the customers that we deal with. So this is not about one-off transactions. Now, there are two key things that uh, we wanna use as bedrocks for becoming an expert influencer. One is a thing called rapport, which cannot be underestimated. Without rapport, it is almost impossible to influence. So we've gotta have that in place, first of all. And then the other thing is, to become an expert, we need to tap into the laws of influence. And I wanna go through these laws, which are based on the work of Robert Cialdini, who's written a phenomenal book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And if you haven't read that book, please do yourself a favor. If you are in sales, if you're in marketing, or you know somebody in sales, and hopefully you're in sales because you listen to this podcast, then if you haven't read that book, please go and read that book because it is 
phenomenal. So the six laws of influence is what we're going to tap into today. So before we do that, though, I want to talk about uh, rapport at a high level. One of the things we talked about in the workshop today was the ability to build rapport quickly. And I really harped on on the fact that rapport is the bedrock of as a foundation stone, if you like, of being able to influence. Because if you can't build rapport with anybody, then there's very little chance you're going to be able to influence them, which means that the laws of influence probably won't work as effectively as they will or as they could as if you build rapport. Now, this is in the context, of course, of influencing as sales leaders, as sales teams. Now, these laws can work independently because there are a lot of organizations that do use these laws to try to build credibility in the marketplace. But I still suggest and I still stand by the virtue that we need, as individuals, we need to be able to build a bedrock of rapport first because that is the foundation stone. So there are four key key elements of rapport, and I'll just go through these at a really high level. The first one is asking great questions and being really curious with that particular person you're having a conversation with. So this is not about you telling them about how good you are. This is about asking genuine questions to get information out of them, to be curious, to understand more about them, but also listening to them in terms of their responses. So asking great questions, but then listening intently to the answer to those questions is key, and it's one of the key pillars of rapport. The second one is to be able to read people because people are different. As we've talked about, there are people who love detail. There are people who don't like detail. So paying attention to that and being able to read the play in terms of the person that's in front of you and then being able to adjust your style to suit that person all of a sudden builds a closer level of connectedness, which leads to a better level of rapport or potential rapport. The third one is physical mirroring, and this is the big one, particularly for face-to-face sales. And if you're a toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose salesperson, even though we might be still in lockdown and doing some more stuff over Zoom and Teams, you can still do this in a really effective way. And it's all about matching their voice, matching their eye contact, uh, mirroring their body language, knowing that the communication we have with people most of which is not going to come from the words we speak. It's going to come through how we speak, so the paraverbal communication, but also the nonverbal communication or the body language. So physically mirroring somebody to the point where it's almost like you two are a mirror image of each other is a great way through no speaking at all to build a level of rapport. And the fourth element is paying attention and being genuinely interested. Are you? Do you have a level of empathy for the person that's in front of you? Are you genuinely interested in them as a human being? And are you paying attention to them in terms of how they're communicating and how they're responding to you and adjusting accordingly? So if you are focusing your attention on building rapport using those four key elements, there's every possibility that you're building a deep level of rapport with that particular person where they are now receptive to the conversation and receptive potentially to the message that you want to deliver to them and therefore be more open to being influenced by you based on that win-win, based on an ethical approach. And so with that platform set, we can now tap into the Chilgini laws of influence to better position our service, our solution to deliver that outcome and have that person feel really comfortable that they're making the decision that is going to be the benefit to them not just in the short term, but hopefully in the long term. And so there are six laws of influence that Shildini uh, talks about in his book, and there's a number of videos available on YouTube. But also, as I said, if you haven't got the book, please go and do yourself a favor and get the book and read it because it is a phenomenal book and it's a must-read for all salespeople, but also all marketing people. But also, if you're just genuinely interested in being able to influence people in a more effective way, tap into these laws and use them to your advantage in a respectful and ethical way, and things will significantly change in terms of your ability to influence people. And so the first one is the law of reciprocity. And this is essentially saying, well, people want to give back to those who have given to them. Now, I talk a lot about the fact that as leaders, we should be servant leaders, which means I'm looking for opportunities to serve other people. I'm looking for opportunities to deliver value to people with no expectation of anything in return. 
But see, how the, the funny thing happens with the law of reciprocity is if you are the first person to give something that benefits the other person and there's no necessarily attachment to the outcome in terms of I'm not expecting anything in return, then before you know it, that person feels as if they have to give you something in return. There's this unconscious feeling, if you like, that I feel obligated to give you something back. Now, if you do this well, there will be an unconscious bias for the, from that person to want to do something for you. It might be in that transaction or it might be something different that comes out of that transaction. So the law of reciprocity is how can you start giving value knowing that if I do this well, and this is the key thing, not attaching yourself to an expectation that they give you something back instantly because that just becomes simply a transaction and it's not about transactions. It's about how can I deliver value. If I do that well and I do that consistently, it will always, always come back and will benefit us as well. So that's the first one, law of reciprocity. Second one is the law of authority. So here's the thing. We tend to believe people who are in a position of authority and trust who are perceived experts. So we will tend to believe somebody who is in a uniform more than we believe somebody who potentially is in everyday clothes. And so people are more willing to follow the directions and the recommendations of a communicator to whom they attribute relevant authority or expertise. So when it comes to all the workshops, what I like to do at the beginning of any workshop is to give a bit of a background, no longer than a minute, on what I do and what I've done in terms of my background to establish a level of authority. Not to say, hey, look at me, look what I've done, look how good I am, but simply to say, maybe this person, based on his background, based on his experience, might have something of value to share that I could learn from. And so there's a level of authority that starts to come through. So sometimes it's implied, other times it's explicit. So it depends on what you want to use in terms of your authority and how can you use that to your advantage. Now, the next one is the law of likability, and people would prefer to do business with people who they know, who they like, and who they trust. And in the sales game, that's happening all the time. People will only do business with you if they trust you, if they like you, and if they know you, which means you've got to build some level of rapport. You've got to build a relationship. Um, so it's it's two elements to this. One is uh, it's they like you. The other one is they are like you. So there's a level of similarity there, so they can relate to you. Now, it doesn't have to be you guys are friends, but there is a level of respect that's been established. And there are certain elements of your personal style or some of the some of the things you've done in your background, which is an area of commonality, which says to the other person, well, we are similar, therefore, I potentially am open to what they've got to say. So therefore, potentially to be influenced. So that's the one, the law of likability. The next one is the law of social proof. And this is one, sometimes people talk about this as being the law of consensus. And I like to think this more about third-party endorsements. And you think about references, referees, when people are going for a role, they give a reference and it's just a third-party perspective. Now, yes, it's fair to say that most people, if not all people, give organizations that are about to go and work for a reference which is going to be a positive reference and yeah, that's that's true. But the same thing can be said about products as well, that people want to do business with people who they know, who they like, who they trust. And they also want to hear from other people, other organizations who have experienced the service provided by your organization so that that provides a level of third-party endorsement. So the commitment or the transfer of trust comes across from them to you, which makes it easier, therefore, to do business with the organization you're contemplating doing business with. So think about how you can bring in your conversations with clients. How can you bring social proof? It's not just take my word for it. Hey, talk to this organization who's been working with us for the last three years and have a conversation with them about and ask them whatever you like. And this is the thing. Some of the best third-party endorsements are the ones that are not scripted because I know there's a lot of organizations out there that will have third-party endorsers 
who are reading literally from a script. This is what this organization did. This is why this product is so good. Some of the best endorsements are the ones where you can have just an ad hoc conversation and really get to the nitty gritty of what the experiences were, positive and also not so positive, because sometimes you want to know, okay, this all sounds great, but what are some of the challenges you've experienced? What are some of the things that I need to be conscious of, to be aware of, before I jump into a relationship with this particular organization? So you want that to happen, because it becomes more realistic. So that's the law of social proof or third-party endorsements. The next one is the law of commitment and consistency. And if you've been in sales for a while, you know that the more yeses we can get, from a potential customer, the higher the probability of that customer saying yes at the end of the day. So after we make a decision, our actions will always support the choice that we've made even when we are potentially faced with the knowledge that a better choice might have been a good idea because people want to be consistent with their existing positions and hence we need to make sure that our offer, our request, our endorsement is aligned with their commitments and the underlying values that they have, which means that coming back again What is it that's going to be beneficial to them, not what's going to be beneficial to us? So tapping into that law of commitment and tapping into that law of consistency, but doing it again ethically. And then the final one, of course, is the law of scarcity. And this is where people will desire more of what they have less of. So people find objects and opportunities more attractive to the degree that they are scarce, rare, or dwindling in availability. So essentially, there are two levels or two kinds of scarcity. You're going to have a scarcity of resources or scarcity of widgets or scarcity of products or physical products, but also you're going to have a potential scarcity of time. So when it comes to putting in proposals, and I love this, uh, Harvey Norman's a classic example. They'll have a sale every single week and the payment terms, 50 months interest-free or 400 months interest-free or whatever the case might be, ends on Monday, so be quick. So what this is designed to do is it's to try to invoke a piece of action because people think, well, if I don't do this, we don't want to suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out. So I better get in quick if I'm in the market for that particular product or that particular service. So how can we use the law of scarcity to our advantage as well? So there, there's a high-level overview. And if you want to know more about the laws of influence, please go and get the book from Shieldini or look up Shieldini on, on the internet. And there's a heap of information and a heap of videos you can watch that goes in a lot more detail in terms of each of those particular laws. But becoming an expert expert influencer, it essentially comes down to these two elements. Can we build a level of rapport with a person quickly to the point where we can establish a level of trust? Once that trust is done, therefore, how can we use the laws of influence to influence that person to make the best decision for them? That just so happens to be the best decision for us as well, as long as we're doing this ethically and we're doing this as a, as a win-win. There's no point me selling anything to somebody that they don't need it or they don't want it, but I'm trying to do it anyway because they're a live customer in front of me. And this is where salespeople in particular get a bad rap because they're told when you've got a live customer, go and sell them at every opportunity. You don't have to sell everybody. In fact, you need to make it really clear that you are the prize. It's not the product that's the prize. You are the prize. So how can you get somebody to a position where they can make an informed decision based on the information that's in front of them, but you've actually done it so well that you've built a bedrock of trust based on building rapport, and you've articulated a strategy, articulated a a proposal in such a way that they feel absolutely obligated to want to move forward, and they feel comfortable about doing that. Do that, and you become very quickly an expert influencer. So there's the key message for today. Tap into the laws of influence. Also be aware of the four elements of rapport. 
Do that, become an expert influencer, and just watch what happens because your results will go through the roof. And of course, as a reminder, if you want some help with this and if you'd like some help with your leadership, going to the exceptional level, you know the drill, jump on to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll have a conversation, and we can start working together as early as this week. So with that said, thank you once again for plugging into yet another episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. And I look forward to sharing with you on yet another episode this time tomorrow. Until then, all the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.